in the intention of learning how to remember and love Allah more. Now when Sayyidina passed away from this world, it's clearly mentioned in the lives and biographies of that many of the Sahaba that they did the exact same thing. They used to sit with the Tabi'in in the Masajid and they used to teach them the deen. That they used to have Majlis also. They used to sit with the Tabi'in and they used to teach them deen. The Tabi'in used to sit with them and learn deen from them. Now, one reason why this took place is it's only natural for the student to imitate the teacher, Sahabi Kalam radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'in with the students, and Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as the teacher. So the Sahaba learned, and they saw that this is how the Prophet used to teach you to sit with us in the masjid. And he used to sit and sit and sit silent together. Sometimes he would speak to us. Sometimes he would ask questions, the questions. Sometimes he would sit long with us. Sometimes he would go back into his hudra. So they naturally, subconsciously imitated, replicated this because they were the true replicas and models themselves and patterned themselves after the Sunnah to be a Kareem. So then we have Sahabi Kram having majlis, and this was a majlis of Tazkiyah. They were continuing the tradition of Bayuzakihim. So these were gatherings of Tazkiyah that they sat in the masjid in a group, sitting with Tabin. Now, this continued again between the Tabin and the Tabin. Now, from a historical perspective, you cannot really precisely pinpoint the age of the Tabin versus the age of the Tabai Tabin. For example, the age, Zamana, of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu that is clear because he was one person and when he passed away from this worldly life, that marks the end of the age of the Prophet sallallahu and all this then begins the age of the Sahaba. Now some historians have said that okay, when the very last Sahabi passed away, that begins the age of the Tabin. But in reality, if you think about it, when the very last Sahabi passes away, means in the whole Ummah there is just one Sahaba and there are a few million Tabin. So to call that time also the age of Sahaba, it's very difficult to call it the age of Sahaba just because one Sahabi or two Sahabi or three Sahabi are alive. And similarly, who is the last Sahabi and when did he pass away? It starts to become a bit fluid. So we can broadly speak about the time of Nabi Akram Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and we can speak about the age of Sahaba by qualifying that as the time when there were a fair number of Sahaba present in different communities across the Ummah and then we can talk about loosely the age of Sabin and Tabai Sabin combined. And in the second period, like I told you, age of Sahaba, Sahaba Ikram also used to sit and have majlis with the Sabin. And in the age of the Tabin, Tabai Tabin, they also used to have such sittings. Now when the Bihikarim Sallallahu used to sit with his companions, there was no topic for that. There was no class, like this is Tafsir class, this is Hadith class, this is Tafsir class, this is Talim al-Hikmah class, no. He used to just sit with them. But if you look at those Hadith, which the Sahaba report and narrate, that the Prophet shared with them, many of them, maybe one could even say most of them, had to do with their tazkiyah. Similarly, the Sahaba sat with the Tabi and it was the same way. 
there was no separate gathering for Tafsir and separate gathering called Hadith and separate gathering called Fiqh. All of it was generally just Talim and Tafsir. In the age of the Tabin and Sabah Tabin, then the ulama of the Tafsir and Sabah Tabin, they had some specialized topics around which they gathered. So you could find a halak of Tafsir, a halak of Fiqh, a halak of Girat. But that wasn't for the ordinary masses around. That was sit, ulama sitting with each other. The sitting that the Siddiqin awliya of the Tabin, Tabin, Tabai Tabin that they had with the masses, that was still on Tafkia. And for the very first time then this began to take a topic, and that topic was called Zod. Zod means to no longer love dunya. But if you think about it, who was the person who was sitting with somebody from the Tabin, Tabai Tabin? And who was sitting in front of them, all types of seekers, also from Abin, who wanted to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. Now, none of these people had deep materialistic love or love for money in their heart. So by Zohar, it doesn't mean that that Wali from the Tabin is trying to speak to the ordinary masses and tell them not to love money or love wealth. Actually, by dunya, what they meant was Rerullah, Masiva, anything other than Allah Ta'ala. For our heart to have any attachment, love for anything worldly, or for our heart to be absent or empty or forgetful of the zikr of Allah Ta'ala, means this is called rasla. So the gatherings of Tazkiyah in the time of the Tabin and Tabai Tabin were focused on helping people erase and remove their rasla. Their heart should always be present and lively and full of the love and remembrance and awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the whole purpose of these gatherings. Now in those gatherings, yes, sometimes they would teach teachings of Quran and they would mention the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu But just like the Sahaba didn't just teach the Tabin, didn't just rather say knuckle, didn't just repeat the verses and repeat hadith, they also explain the verses and hadith in their own words. So that's why in all the works of Tafsir you can find what is called Akwal sahaba means the words the Sahaba used to explain to the Tabin the meanings and feelings of Quran. Similarly in hadith commentaries in the hadith field, you can find Akwal sahaba means the words that were used by the Sahaba explain to Tabin the meanings and feelings of Hadith. So the Sahaba also inserted their explanations. Then, obviously, in the age of the Tabin, Tabai Tabin, not only did they share the words of Quran, in the Kalamala, the words of Allah SWT, Quran, and the words of the Prophet Hadith, and the explanations of Sahaba, they also provided even further explanations. And like I said, most of those explanations centered around, as far as Tazkiyah goes, the concept of Zuhud, to try to empty our hearts of worldly remembrance and try to fill our heart with the remembrance and feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, after the Tabin and Tabai Tabin, then during their time also, you have the spread of the Ummah, and after the Tabin and Tabai Tabin, the word used for such people who used to conduct madlis, following in the tradition of the madlis of the Biyakreen, Sallallahu Madlis of Sahaba, Madlis of Tabin, Madlis of Tabai Tabin, they were now more formally called Awliyaullah. 
So obviously, Sahab are the greatest awliya. Those people who were conducting madras, they were the awliya of the tabin, and they were the awliya of the tabai tabin. But because these three generations have a special, distinctive fazila, virtue, and merit over all of the ummah, therefore, rather than refer to them as awliya, they were referred to by their generation, Sahaba, Tabin, Tabai Tabin. But then after these three generations, there's no particular merit or virtue ascribed to any generation. So then now the people conducting majlis were referred to not by their generation, but by who they were. They were the friends of Allah Ta'ala, just like the Tabai Tabin, Tabin, and Sahaba who were conducting majlis were also Uliyaullah. Then the word awliya began to use, be used for those who were conducting these majalis. Now from those very early awliyaullah, means after the time of the tabin, tabai tabin, there was one early wali of Allah Ta'ala, his name was Hazrat Sayyid Khwaja Abdul Khalid Rajdawani Namtanai. Hazrat Khwaja Abdul Khalid Rajdawani Namtanai. He played an instrumental role in bringing the teachings of Tazkiyah, taught by Oliya Sahaba, Oliya Tabin, Oliya Tabai Tabin, he played a central role in bringing those teachings into the area that today we call Central Asia, means Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Samarkand, Tashkent, in this area. Now when he brought the teachings in this area, what he would do, obviously he would teach people Quran, and these people hadith and share the explanations of Sahaba, Tabin, and Tabai Tabin. And then he began to formalize these teachings into a few particular sentences. In today's English, we would call them sound bites. In Arabic, they're called istilahat, some terms. And he tried to mold and cast and encapsulate and summarize all these teachings of love for Allah, zikr of Allah, tazkiyah, zod, ihsan, into a few encapsulated teachings. So one of those teachings is something that I want, inshallah, to share with our listeners. Tonight on the program, I've been advised by the radio station that they need to take a two-minute break in the middle. So I will pause now for that two-minute break. And when the break ends and we are back with each other, and I will tell you one of those istilahat, one of those terms, encapsulated teachings that Hazrat Khwaja Abdul Khalid Radhidawainate used to teach the next generation of believers this teaching of Tazki. Yeah, and Zikr of Allah SWT and how they were transmitted from the Prophet to Sahaba, to Tabin, through Tabai Tabin. And then afterwards, and it kept being transmitted, and then the way the historical history refers to the people who kept referring it were Oliyaullah, although indeed Sahab greatest Oliyah, and obviously Tabin and Tabai Tabin, who were also teaching Tazkiyah, were also Oliyaullah. And I told you that after the break, I will inshallah share with you some of the teachings of Hazrat Khaja Abdul Khalid, what is the Wali before I do that, however, I would like to make a very important announcement. And this announcement is for everybody, but in particular, I would like the South African listeners to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. It is my understanding of Sharia, as I've understood from my teachers, and I may always be uh, open to mistake, 
but my understanding of Sharia, and there were anyone to ask me a fatwa, I would draft a fatwa according to what I'm about to say, and certainly show it to my elders for their approval, that the use of women's voice for advertising on radio programs is not permissible. And I would like to personally apologize and express my deep regret that in the break in this program, the CII radio station chose to play advertisements in which there was a women's voice as those who were in South Africa, because CII is a South Africa-based station. I would request our South African listeners to kindly take this issue up with a balanced and scholarly and compassionate and sensible and wise ulama of the country, not the reactionary and hostile and those who lack adab, but rather the true, pious, honest scholars of the country, and ask them to enter a discussion with CII. There is, uh, although I have also qualified as a mufti, my relationship with CII is not in that capacity. There is a mufti, A.K. Hussein, who, from what I understand, and again I hear may be mistaken, but he is the mufti at CII, but perhaps some of our listeners may bring this to his attention. Uh, if you need to play some ads for the sake of the substance of the radio station, I have no personal objection to that, but the ad should not have women's voices. And I will, in my own capacity, also be contacting CI management, uh, sharing my understanding of Sharia, that this is not permissible, and that in any case, uh, at the very first immediate instance, as with women's voices can be played on this program of Paskia. I would ask the listeners with humility and with compassion and gentleness to bring this issue to the intention of Mufti A.K. Hussein and other respectable, honorable Muftis and ulama in South Africa. Here, now I have to make that note publicly. Alhamdulillah, for many, many months, few years, to my understanding, no ad has ever been played because I've never been asked to interrupt and pause for a break. Uh, I will look into this matter later on, inshallah, before the next program takes place. Here, so I wanted to share with you the teachings of Hazrat Khwaja Abdul Khalid, who is the Wali So what he did very beautifully was, again, for ease of understanding and to give people some single one sentences by which that they could understand and remember these teachings of Deen, these teachings of Tazkiyah, these teachings of Zuhud. And again, remember, Zuhud means to remove any worldly feelings from our heart so that our heart is not occupied with the world. Our body may be busy in the world, our mind might be engaged in the world, but so that our heart can be truly filled with the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he made some teachings. So one of those teachings is called Khalwa Dal Anjuman. Khalwa means that your heart should feel as if it's alone with Allah Sultana. I mean your heart should be making so much zikr of Allah Sultana that you forget everything else in the world. You feel like it's just you and Allah Sultana. But when and where are you supposed to get this feeling? Dal Anjuman, when you are inside society. What does it mean? That while you are working, or if you're a student in school, while you're at school, or if you're a woman and some relatives are visiting you while your family is with you, while your children are with you, while you're sitting with your child's teacher, 
anytime you may be engaged in society, that your heart keeps making the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa Your heart keeps making the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa This is called khalwat al-anjuman. Now in this teaching, and this is something I will have to explain again, I think uh, I may not be able to finish entire explanation tonight, uh, there are several important things. The first thing is that a person is clearly understood then that they do function in society. They are a member of society. They may be working to earn a living if they're a man. They may be an educator if they're a woman, right? They're not living the life of a monk. However, while being in that society, their heart is making the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their heart remains content in remembering Allah ta'ala. The heart is absorbed in the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, how can a person get this? How can a person get this feeling? Can you just imagine what that would be like? That you're sitting with people and you have to talk with them or you're doing business with them or you have to work in the office. But all that time your heart is remembering Allah Ta'ala and your heart is remembering Allah Ta'ala so much that the feeling of your heart is that outwardly apparently I'm dal anjuman, I'm with the people. But in reality my heart is only with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. I'm like in khadra with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So the practice then that he taught in order for people to attain this feeling and experience, that is called bukufa kalbi. Bukufa kalbi means that to pause your heart on the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that your heart becomes so fixated on the zikr of Allah ta'ala. Now the way to do this is that all the time at work and wherever you are, to cut your heart away from the remembrance of dunya in order to attach your heart to the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. And it's this cutting that most people don't do. It's very important, and this is an exercise, and a person has to do it a few hundred times a day. You know, like we try to recite istighfar a hundred or two hundred times a day, try to recite salawat on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam hundred, two hundred times a day. So you can think like a couple of hundred times a day, a person should make this exercise also, that they cut their heart away from the world, from feelings for the world, engagement for the world, longing for the world, and instead they focus their heart on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with feelings for Allah ta'ala, longing for Allah ta'ala, remembrance for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a very important feeling. And if a person practices exercise of wukufa kalbi, then they can indeed reach such a state that their heart is always remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that their heart has feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a very important teaching. And the reality is that most of the men today, they have to work for a living, whether that's in business or that's in an office or wherever that might be. And so that's not time when they can make intense zikr sitting on the musamma. So this exercise of wukuf kalbi taught in one of the very earliest times by Hazrat Khadja, Abdul Khalid, the divine Ampaymay, is a wonderful exercise for a person to get that feeling of zikr of Allah SWT. Now, what a person has to do in their life is to trim out the extra things in their life. By extra things, it means, by extra, I mean superfluous. What in Arabic we call fuzul. What in Urdu is called faltu. 
means extraneous, superfluous, unnecessary, not beneficial. And we have to take out the extra thinking, the extra seeing, the extra speaking, the extra reading, the extra sleeping, and the extra eating. So there's five or six things you mentioned. Extra thinking, we think more than we should. Extra reading, we read things that don't concern us. Extra seeing, looking, we look at things that we're not supposed to be looking at or have no concern of us. Extra speaking, we get into longer discussions and long conversations which have no benefit to us. Extra sleeping means oversleeping. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Oversleeping, overeating, so overthinking, overseeing, over reading, over speaking, over sleeping, and overeating. And so many of us are caught up in these six things. So by trimming, it means we have to cut these six superfluous things from our lives. Then our heart will be able to make more zikr of Allah. You don't have to trim your work or your job or your business as long as you're doing all of that according to the principles of Sharia and in a reasonable way. What you have to do is trim these superfluous things. Superfluous things. For example, a lot of Muslims have this habit of reading the newspaper every day. No, this is going to harm your ability to do wukufa kalbi. This is going to harm your ability to be able to remember Allah Ta'ala. Now understand this from the entire global ummah. Roughly speaking, there might be 10 to 20%, roughly speaking, of people who actually have a say in affairs who actually have the ability to make a positive impact on affairs and matters, for those people who have the ability to make a difference, for those people, yes, indeed, they do need to be aware of what is going on in the world. But for the vast majority of people, they don't have that ability to make a difference. They don't have the ability to change anything. So they don't need to have a detailed awareness which reading a newspaper daily gives a person a detailed awareness. They just once or twice a month generally need to know what's going on in the ummah so that they can make their du'as accordingly and they can feel the pain and sorrows of the ummah, but they don't have to read a newspaper every day. Beyond that also, many people read things in the newspaper that has nothing to do with the ummah, whether that is sports or whether that is recipes or whether that is infotainment or funny, interesting stories about, let's say, about the African jungle and animals that were seen killing each other or fighting each other or helping each other or saving each other. So all of this is faltu fuzu, this is over-reading. Instead, time should have been spent reading something that would help your tazkiyah, learning something of Qur'an, learning something of hadith of the Prophet learning the serial life of the Prophet learning, listening to, reading the works of Mashaikh, Uliyaullah, the guidance of Tazkiyah, teachings of Tazkiyah, to learn and read those things. That would have been more beneficial. That would have been more helpful. That would have helped a person who goes And even I could say that if a person spends even five to ten minutes a day reading or listening to the Bianat of Mashaikh, that will reorient them every day. It will reorient them every single day in their identity to become the lover and seeker of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They won't forget so easily. So you have to do something that makes it harder to forget Allah ta'ala. That is what's going to make it easier to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
and all the worldly things we do actually makes it harder to remember Allah Ta'ala and it makes it easier to forget Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So we read too much, we sleep too much, we eat too much, we talk too much, too much conversation. Like they say, idle conversation kills the heart. What does it mean? Does it mean the physical heart? It reduces the ability of the heart to make the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Reduces the ability of the heart to make the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, we have to trim these things, then it will become easier to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's easier to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it becomes harder to sin. When it becomes harder to sin, then we are finally, now we can con be considered that we are making some progress in Tazkiyah. Always remember that this is the number one sign that a person is making progress in Tazkiyah, that I find it harder to sin. And it's until they get that milestone, they have to keep working, keep striving, keep trying. They may make some effort, but okay, I read more Quran now than I used to. I sit for Salah, I go for Salah more than I used to. I sit in Zikr more than I used to. But I still find it easy to sin. So it means the effort isn't enough. Alhamdulillah, you're on your way. You've made partial gains. But now you have to do more. You have to do more ibadah, more zikr, have more suhbah, listen to more beyond, more madlis, until you reach this milestone that yes, now it is no longer as easy it is for me to sin as it used to be. That's the sign that you're making progress in Tazkiyah. And then still, it might not be enough. It might just be this, that okay, it's more difficult for me now to sin, but I still do it. But now it's more difficult. So now keep making more progress. Work more on your taqwa. Work more on your sunnah. Make even more tawbah. Make even more dua to Allah ta'ala. Make more zikr of Allah ta'ala. Until it gets even more hard to sin. Then keep doing it until it gets even harder to sin. Then keep doing it until it gets even, even, even harder to sin. You keep doing it until it gets near impossible to sin. That's the, that's the sign of progress. So see, this, is, this will is directly related to your heart's ability to remember Allah. You see, if just somebody sitting next to you and talking about the world or business or cricket can make you forget Allah, that means you're very easily going to be able to sin. So it, the more your heart remains focused on the zikr of Allah Ta'ala, the harder it will be sin. This is why Allah Ta'ala said, Quran, Rijalun la tuhihim tijaratun wa la bay'un an zikrillah. There are such people that no monetary dealings, neither trading, buying, selling, commerce, nothing can distract them from the zikr of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Their heart is so firmly established on the zikr of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So, at first we have to work on our zikr to become like that. Simultaneously, we have to make tawbah for the sins that we did. And tawbah means that in the future, I don't want to sin. Now, that's not a guarantee. Who knows what the future holds? The future might very well reveal that I'm going to go back to that sin in a week. But right now, in the present, the best we can do is make a heartfelt wish and a sincere pledge to Allah Ta'ala that in the future I don't want to sin. And you keep making that tawbah. Now what happens, you make the tawbah, the person falls back into sin, you make tawbah again. But now the second time you make tawbah, you have to do more zikr. This is the key thing that people don't understand. They keep making the tawbah, but 
every time you have to make toba again, it means that after the previous toba, you didn't follow up that toba with enough zikr. Therefore, you weren't able to stay away from sin, and you went back to sin. So this time, now having repeated that sin, you want to repeat toba. But now you, yes, you should repeat the toba, and you should have complete hope that toba forgive you for that sin, and you should have hope that toba accept this toba from you. But now to be successful in this toba the second time around, or maybe the third time around, or the hundredth time around, or the thousandth time around, you have to follow up this toba with even more zikr of a Muslim toba. And then maybe do more zikr, then it gets harder to sin, then again you slip, then again you make toba, then after making toba again, you make even more zikr, so that it becomes even harder to sin. But then maybe then after some, a longer period of time elapses, again you sin, then again you make toba, but then every time you make toba, you must try to do more, more zikr, more taqwa, more ibadah, more sunnah, more ayah, so that then you're finally able to come out of that sin. So this more zikr takes place, not necessarily on the mukalla, but I'm going to do now zikr for hours. It means that you do more wukufa kalbi, that you remember Allah Ta'ala more in your heart throughout the day, so that the eventually goal is to reach this thing called khalwat al-anjuman. Inshallah Ta'ala, we will continue this topic with you next time. Jazakumullah khairas, wa akhir ta'wana ala alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin